you're listening to Caddy Wampus. Hi, I'm David. I'm Steve. And I'm Brian. So, as previously talked about, Brian has been talking our ears off about Mandy. One of the best movies ever made, according to him. I didn't say one, one of the, the greatest best. films in cinema history. Putting words in my mouth. A must-see. There's nothing better than Mandy. The greatest film ever. When it didn't win Best Picture. Furious. His car is upside down and on fire outside. Because Mandy did not get a write-in for Best Picture, even though that's not how the award works. <laughs> but as he has said, Mandy is the greatest film of all time, and we have to see it. And we decided, because we're his friends, that we would absolutely watch Mandy. Eventually. We'll get there. <laughs> and before that, we need to be, by Brian's own admit, we're not, we don't, we don't want to do this. This is Brian forcing us. We have to be well-vested in, in I've heard Cage. a lot of lies in the last five minutes. In the Nick Cage oeuvre. He told us we weren't ready. We were not worthy of Mandy's presence, of Nicolas Cage's performance present. One must prepare of, their spirit. We were not holy enough to see Mandy and to see Your the greatness of Nick Cage. brain could not comprehend it. We couldn't see it. It, it was, it would be, it would be like Raiders of the Lost Ark. If we were to watch Mandy, we'd just get their faces melted off by seeing Nicolas Cage of that excellence. And all his glory. And all his glory. It's like the scene at the end of Raiders where they open. That's what I just said. <laughs> okay. Did I not just say that? I, I wasn't listening. I was <laughs> I was busy thinking about the glory of Cage. So, in order for us to be ready for Mandy, a long process that Brian has mandated, we have to verse ourselves in the Nicolas Cage oeuvre. So, today we watched... Today we watched uh, National Treasure 1 and 2. Uh, the proper titles are National Treasure and... And I didn't... National Treasure... Book of Secrets? There you Ooh, go. The, the President's Book. The President's Book. National Treasure, <laughs> colon. The President's Book. <laughs> Book National of- Treasure. President Trump's Dyer. <laughs> So yeah, we watched both National Treasure films produced by Jerry Bruckheimer, directed by John Turtletop. Two big hit, kind of post, I would say the post Pirates of the Caribbean era, kind of bigger budget, live action, fun, family adventure films, inexplicably starring Nicolas Cage, Sean Bean, and Ed Harris. Because when I think family, I think Nicolas Cage, Sean Bean, and Ed Harris, and very, John Voight. Very strange I cast. think of certain families. <laughs> I, I thought the movies were fine. I think if I had not seen them back to back, I would have appreciated them more. By the end of the second movie, I felt like I was just watching a reskin of the first movie. It was very, very... Like a remastered version? Yeah, I mean... With Michael Bay visuals? I feel like it's basically the same story twice. Uh, I mean, a few things change here and there, but... I but Brian, in the first film, he steals the Declaration of Independence. In the second film, he steals the, pre- the, the president. President, yeah. president Bruce Greenwood. <laughs> Yeah, I, so I had never seen these before. From what I had heard, they were pretty well received. Everyone I knew that had seen them. I them. don't know that they were pretty well received. Well, it's it's definitely taking a page out of Indiana Jones's book where uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark and Last Crusade both have rival archaeologists as villains. Yeah. Belloc in uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark and um, Donovan in Last Crusade. That sounds right. right? Yeah, Donovan? probably. Except for the second one, which, you know, his villains are... Um, uh, Brown people. What if John Travolta played the villain? Sure. And then they as a rival alco- Yeah, as a rival <laughs> archaeologist. He has to switch faces with Nicolas Cage to understand how he solves all these puzzles. <laughs> You've just described the greatest version of National Treasure. We, I would agree that, despite my love of Sean Bean and Ed Harris, the villains are a little bit... Uh, 
think we broke Steve. No, <laughs> I just I just going. pictured a movie that's just three hours of John Travolta trying to do a Sudoku. <laughs> I could eat a na- I could eat, I could eat a declaration for hours. There's I no, could eat a book of secrets for hours. Just John Travolta just staring angrily at a fucking Rubik's cube. <laughs> Maybe it's because it doesn't fucking work. I feel like they did. They don't really do anything. Other than serve as a way to slow down the story, and they basically inadvertently motivate our hero to go on an adventure that he was not going to go on. Uh, like one of the things about Indiana Jones that I think works is that he, uh, Temple of Doom aside, he wants to go on the adventure. He wants to find the Ark, whether Belloc's involved or not. The government's like, just you know, we could find the Ark, and Indy's like, well, I gotta go, you know. Um, and in this movie, it's like. Benjamin Gates is like, I would just like to do nothing. And a villain comes up and goes, or what if you did something before I do it? And the kid goes, fuck yeah. Like, like, it's almost like he has to be dared into doing his job. What is his job? Archaeology. Mm-hmm. Extreme archaeology. <laughs> He's a tomb raider. It belongs in a museum, unless I have to steal it from the museum. Indiana Jones was a legit, like, professor like he taught he had like a so job. did nicholas cage yeah, at the beginning yeah. of the second movie well right but i'm talking about the first movie like what was unclear. he doing <laughs> unclear yeah they don't, they don't say anything about it like well, you you cut to him just in a fucking snowmobile of some he kind was, he was a he was an archaeologist of disrepute and then the book clears his name between movie one and two so makes about okay. as much sense as the rest of it it's fine well, it so makes total sense Nicolas Cage was definitely more cagey in the second movie Nicolas Cage got to go full cage in Book of Secrets he was very reserved in the first movie in the first movie it did feel like he was like well this is a real movie yeah. I can't just be Nicolas Caging about maybe I'm just misremembering or something no, no I'm sure but I was I was very confused towards the beginning of the second movie where huh. they're supposed to take a picture of the Statue of Liberty uh uh, kind of. It's but a statue in Paris. So it's a statue of Liberty in Paris? There's two of them. Yes. Historically, there are two. So Statue I... of Liberty was a gift from the French. Right. Uh, yeah, so it was part of maybe, a set. Maybe if you'd opened your fucking ears to Dr. Benjamin Franklin Gates, you nope. would have known, you would have learned yourself some history there. Buddy. Read a book, bitch. <laughs> yeah. I mean, from Watch a national treasure, from, motherfucker. From everything you guys said, most of the facts in that movie were not facts. <laughs> That's true. There were some factual inaccuracies. They got certain things wrong. Uh, the two statues was correct. They're talking Old to Perry. the two. They're talking to two, uh, the British French police. police. French, 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 yeah, police. Police. And I'm like, who I wish came on the adventure with them. Yeah, no, they're fine. They're the movies were kind of kind of boring. I think John Voight's the weak link. That can be said of almost everything he's ever been. <laughs> you could just take that. Yeah, take that. <laughs> like we're Audio just gonna clip, clip right yeah. out there. <laughs> We're just going to clip that, and anytime somebody mentions John Voight in the future, which I assume will be every episode. I think the biggest problem with the sequel is they do not bring back Christopher Plummer. And Christopher Plummer starts this franchise off strong. So the movie starts, the first movie, National Treasure, starts. We fade in. It's an old creepy attic. Brian was like, is this child we're seeing, Nick Cage? It should have been a child with Nick Cage's head superimposed. Like the love guru? Yep. (laughs) Okay. But anyway, he's creeping around this old attic, and you're like, oh, this is a mystery. This is some interesting stuff. 
And Christopher Plummer shows up like a fucking phantom from the past. <laughs> Christopher Plummer's the kind of actor where you're like, I thought you were dead. And you fought that for 25 years. And he showed up and he's like, I'm your grandfather and I'll tell you about the secret history of America. And then he fla- we flash back in a flashback already because you know the movie's not in present day already. You know you're already in the past because we're going to meet adult Nicolas Cage. So now we have child Nicolas Cage and you're like, okay, we're already in the past. And then Christopher Plummer's like, let's go further back into the past. And then we go to the Revolutionary War. <laughs> And we learn about... Keep going back. <laughs> yes, we learn about their ancestor, another Gates, during the Revolutionary War, who got a secret from one of the signers of the Declaration of Independence. It was quite a harrowing story. And then we go back even further to ancient Egypt, where they you discover that they took an entire gold treasure as Americans, as Freemasons, as this Illuminati shit. And it's all hidden. And John Voight comes in in a terrible wig being like, what are you filling my young Nick Cage head with nonsense? Christopher Plummer's like, oh, how are we related at all? I'm British and no one else is. <laughs> and John Voight is like, time to go. Cut to the present day. The Arctic, Nick Cage clearly never gave a fucking word to his father. It was like, grandpa's right. We gotta find this shit. They find a boat. Sean Bean, who's Irish? Accents are weird in these films. Sean Bean, who's basically, there's Nicolas Cage, and then there's people who are not American. Yeah, that's fair. He gets betrayed. They steal stuff from the boat. Long story short, the only way to find the map to this magical Egyptian treasure these white people stole is the back of the Declaration of Independence. At this point, Brian pointed out that this is essentially a Mission Impossible movie about history. I I mean, it it reminded me of it, but I don't know how to expand (laughs) on that. I don't know how extensive my knowledge of uh, Mission Impossible is. I think I think you were talking more about the heist element, really. Yeah. This is just an Mission Impossible movie. Well, it was a, a mix of just just the cast in general, for some reason, reminded me of... Other than John Voight. Like... He didn't bother me in the first movie. I, I feel like in the second movie, they tacked him on. Like, his only thing was that he was a failure. And until the What did he end, fail at? Acting. Every, <laughs> everything? He wrote, no. a, he wrote a book. Nobody read it. That's not John Voight. That's uh, Justin Bartha. John Voight was the dad. Oh, the dad. John Voight was I'm his sorry. father. Okay. Was Benjamin Franklin Gates' father. Patrick Henry Gates, also named after a founding father. Ah. John yeah. Hancock he, Gates. He oh, <laughs> I, I that's think my it's... spinoff. John Hancock Gates, J.H., and it's a girl. And you're like, shit, my mind is blown. I thought it was weird that... It's McKenna Grace. In the second movie, they, they make it sound like the dad has been going on adventures his whole life. And... He was never around. Oh, they flipped the script in the second one. They act like... Yeah, they retconned it. They're like, instead of John Voight being the disbeliever, he was the believer and fucking Helen Mirren got kicked to the curb. But in reality, it seems like Helen Mirren was probably on Christopher Plummer's side. It feels like if you had done some planning, it should be that John Voight married into the family. Yeah. And it's like, don't listen to your goddamn grandfather, i.e. my presumed dead wife's father and his crazy nonsense and surprise Helen Mirren's alive and she's been investigating this whole time and she's like we didn't kill Lincoln I have proof that would have made more sense anyway that's draft two of Book of Secrets (laughs) the the good draft I assume there was only one draft yeah the road to Mandy is long Yeah, the road to Mandy is long. It's very windy. They're very cut and dry. There's nothing special. They're not They're not especially incompetent, which does hurt a bit. Although there are moments of absolute genius in terms of how bad they are. Like, there's moments of just complete incredulity. You know, like the teetering fucking uh, map room of the Aztecs. By the way, this gets into Native American and Mexican um, cultures and First Peoples. And, and there's literally, like, teetering rooms. Basically, the whole section 
second movie is like, hey, remember Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade? But there's there's some parts that I like kind of really liked, like the some of the puzzles, especially the one with the table. Or the the desk with the locking. Uh, oh, the pr- oh yeah, yeah yeah the two the desks of resolution or whatever. Yeah, the resolute the desks. Yeah. yeah yeah yeah, Queen Victoria. That was cool. Yeah. That each drawer was a um uh, tumbler. Yeah, was, it was a tumbler for a safe. Yeah. I I liked that part. Uh, but on as far as it being bad, the beginning of the first movie because I had never seen it before. <clears throat> when the when Nicolas Cage gets betrayed, and By Sean that, Bean. that whole awkward Ian. that whole awkward scene where he's like throwing the flare and it looks like he just kind of drops it how many yeah. f- how many flares have you ever thrown six <laughs> one or two all right i defer to your judgment i've thrown one no or further two. statements <laughs> i've never yeeted a flare in my life i i don't believe they're very heavy so they should be pretty look easy i've to been throw. lost see a lot some <laughs> lawsuits are pending <laughs> i don't care what carnival cruises says i was in the right yeah you know what <laughs> Sue them. Go for it. They sued me, but that's that's not here. They're there. My lawyer is really telling me off off camera that I need to got stop it. talking got, about this. Got. But I don't know. One and I guess one and two were very similar. You say me. one and two as if there's more. Once they get to the treasure room, Nicolas Cage is just like, well, I'm gonna take this flare and light up this little line, and the entire treasure room is gonna be fully lit with flames. And yeah, as our forefathers <laughs> intended, apparently. All right. So every the founding fathers, you know, Congress always debates about what the founding fathers intended, and it turns out they really didn't care that much about abortion or taxes or gun rights. What they really cared about is how treasure should be found <laughs> and all how and, it should be lit. And lit and hidden. How should caves be lit to find our Egyptian stolen treasures? Yeah. Franklin was a heretic who found this newfangled electricity. We were supposed to light rooms yeah, with he, oil he invented, and long yeah, lines. John Franklin invented electricity. That's John Franklin. John Benjamin Franklin. Franklin. John Franklin. Franklin his, the turtle his, invented his, electricity. His lesser cousin. You know, Ben Franklin was out there with a kite. John Franklin <laughs> was the one the caves being like, one day I'll be recognized. So John Flair. Franklin discovered electricity. Electricity in a cave, out of scraps. Out of scraps. So, Brian, you were a big fan of the of the Resolute Desk puzzle, but I have to ask, what did everybody think of Benjamin Franklin's 3D glasses? Pretty sweet. <laughs> I would, I would absolutely get some. Not since Avatar have I been so impressed with 3D technology. James Cameron, move over. John Turtletab beat you to the punch. It was a rough film. I like how sometimes he hid it from Sean Bean. He was like, actually, I saw more. And then Sean Bean saw what he saw, and he was like, yeah, I did a lot. I was like, I don't understand how he didn't see what you saw exactly. Because the thing he hid was the resting yeah. position. So Sean Bean immediately came onto the resting position to go whatever that fucking said, and then started switching it around. Yep. Kind of a, a strange design for some glasses. How else was Benjamin Franklin supposed to watch Jaws 4? Is that how 3D works, though? How do, how do you... You'd have to ask his brother, John Franklin. How do you invisible... How is something invisible to you unless it's in 3D? Ah, got it. Ben invented electricity. John, John. invented parallax technology. Got it. Makes sense. I get it. John Franklin was just looking through the leaves of a bread and blue flower. And he was like, holy shit. <laughs> John Franklin out there just eating mushrooms in the forest one day. Ben, great news. Harf, for I have built several tunnels beneath DC. You idiot, John, it's a swamp that will never last. You'll see, Ben. <laughs> I'll show you. I'll I've, show you all. I've built an elevator system. What's an elevator? You'll see, Ben. <laughs> one day my genius will be recognized. 
and or kill people. Yeah, if I recall correctly, only two people die in any of those films. Between those two films, there's one death per per movie. In the first movie, random henchman guy falls through the floor when they're trying to go down the giant wooden spiral staircase. I thought two people fall. I think two I almost saw one. Fall. I almost it, saw it, one guy fall. It shows him like falling Yeah, I remember that. I thought pit. another person fell after. No, I don't remember room. anybody else. So it was just that one guy and then uh-huh. obviously Ed Harris. By choice. Sh- it's a suicide. It is a suicide. Suicide by archaeology. Right. Un- just incredibly common. It's a very hazardous yeah. profession. So what What if at the end of that second movie, <clears throat> Nicolas Cage and his little archaeology crew went back to find that Ed Harris didn't die? And he actually looted that whole place and was gone and left Yes, a note. he took all of the stone, all the gold bricks. Yep. And all the ruins. And See, I like gold. the idea that he's on some like throne and he's like, now I am the Mole King. National Treasure Now three. I am the King the of Mole El Dorado. King. I like the idea that it's a prequel to The Rock. And that's how he funded oh, his the, operation. You don't mean the man, you mean the Michael Bay film, The Rock. Yes. <laughs> yeah, this, this that is, too. This is the prequel to his wrestling career. Correct. But no, like, this is how Ed Harris funded his attempted coup d'etat. Oh, so you think this is the Black Ops operation where he was betrayed? Yes. And he's like, I will get that money to the families of my henchmen. This, it, okay, so The Rock is set both in the future and the past. And that is Nick Cage's great-great-grants. <laughs> so, David, what, what did you like about... Everything. Everything? Uh, No, I I think they're so dumb and so delightful. And I think, like, it's not prime cage. It's, it's, you know what it is? You know what it is? Like, mediocre. I I think, no, I don't think it's mediocre. I think there's a a balance for Nicolas Cage where he does a lot of uh, smaller budget kind of VOD um, or straight to streaming movies. And his level of effort is not so much affected by the budget, but sometimes it's nice to see him in a quote unquote like real movie shot on film or, you know, like like a movie that feels like a movie and Nick Cage happens to be in it. Because I think those are the real like glorious moments of Nicolas Cage. Because if your movie's shot in a red over a weekend, sometimes you're like, yeah, okay, Nicolas Cage being crazy. Like, I guess this is fine. Like you're pay the ghost or whatever the fuck else he's been in. It's a movie where he joins a revenge cult and I think Guy Pierce is in it and he shaved his head and, uh, Get next, ready, Brian. Next week. Get ready, Brian. It's a movie. <laughs> next time on the road to Mandy. On the road to Mandy, part seventeen. Um, <laughs> but like, I think it's nice to see Nicolas Cage like in a real film setting, because uh, when he does go crazy, it's great. And when he does, the weirder parts of Nick's, Nicolas Cage are not the crazy parts to me. The weirder parts is when he tries to be a human being. <laughs> <laughs> when you see him be actual person and real. Yeah, when he's like, I'm just a normal archaeologist. Stay here, Diane Kruger. Don't leave my van. And you're like, oh no, what is happening? Like, that's the weird stuff that Nicolas Cage really excels at is the more human he tries to be, the more fantastical the movie becomes. Obviously, also the deep, rich history of mythology. Yeah, why go to school when you could watch National Treasure? I, I agree. School and reading is lame. I do National not endorse. I don't endorse any unless of this. Unless you're reading the President's book. Oh, the Book of Secrets. Yeah. Well, what do you think about page 47? You have some ideas? Because uh, I do. The only thing I can think of is Agent 47. So I think... What, from Hitman? I think uh, Nicolas Cage is actually going well, to chase down Agent 47. It is Caddy Wampa, so I guess it's time we start talking about video games halfway through. <laughs> yeah. Tell me about Hitman, Brian. All right, let's go. Well, Timothy Elephant and uh, Nicolas Cage are going to have a versus Oh, movie. my God. Imagine Nicolas Cage's <clears throat> head shaved and he's Agent 47. Mm-hmm. Or better yet, you get bring back, was it Ed Screen? Who was the transporter? That's the transporter, right? Who replaced oh, Jason, Jason Statham? Statham? Statham. Oh, is that who? Wait, who's the new Who's the new hitman um, after All of Fantastic? Oh, I don't I remember. Is it not Ed Screen? 
it might be. I, Whatever. I don't know a human being that saw that new movie. I think I did, but I don't remember a thing of about it. you fucking did. Anyway. Um, okay, let's say it's all fantastic. So Timothy Oliphant is the hitman, and he's Agent 47. So we're going to do it. We're going to do it. We're going to do a requel. We're going to do a, a legacy, because that movie's been out for like 10 years, right? So I think it was 2007. Perfect. How, wait, how did that movie end? Did he die? Did he live? Hitman? Yeah, is he going to Hitman forever? Hit, yeah, Hitman doesn't die. <clears throat> he hit, He just Hitman's forever. Okay, Hitman Forever. Okay, so a requel is called Hitman Forever. <laughs> it's forty-seven Forever, but it's uh, marked out on the on the poster that it wraps back around, so the four and Forever can be the same in forty-seven. Nice. Mm. So it's like Forever Seven. <gasps> forever Seven is its name. Sold in the room. Sold in the room. Too late to too late to moan. Sold in the room. <laughs> no. Sorry, Sony. It's been bought. Um, anyway, Hitman so, Forever. Anyway, anyway, he's he thought he was out. It turns out that um, the girl he fell in love with in the first one, because I assume he fell in love with a girl. Yes? Yeah, I think so. Probably. Yeah, it seems to reason. I think there was like some short hair girl, and he saves her, and then they like get on a boat. That sounds appropriately 2006. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so anyway, everything, everything was fine until somebody comes out of the fucking woodwork. Nicolas Cage comes out of a puzzle desk. Bald, <laughs> with a barcode on his back. He's like, I'm Agent 46. I came before you. Sure, that shouldn't just be Sean Bean, because it sounds like at this point we're talking about Goldeneye. No, oh, no. Now, we're, now we're 006 Sean, and 007. Alex Bean, Trevelyan. Sean yeah, Bean's 48. But he's got a weird, he's got a weird ethnic history, because he's a Leon's Cossack, so he yeah. betrayed the Soviets, and it was a whole thing, and, or his parents did. And that movie's way more politically complicated than it has any right yeah, to be. Yeah, I don't know. It very much is. <laughs> That's one of those movies where I think we all saw it when we were young. And we were like, oh, this is fun. And you didn't realize it was basically talking about a national holocaust. Yep. And just totally went over our heads. We we're like, this is just fun, right? And you're like, actually, he's a survivor of a Soviet holocaust. And you're like, okay, that's less, great. No one can fun. pick odd job. He's the survivor of a Soviet holocaust. And how does the movie end? Oh, Bond drops a satellite on him. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that is very appropriately Bond. It's like saying you're like James Bond. You must fight Oscar Schindler's son. You're like, okay. <laughs> He's trying to sell some money from the British bank. Not not in my watch. <laughs> Fucking murders him. You're like, oh, I feel like we've tiptoed over. Oh, some this is why here. Daniel Craig wanted to leave. That's why he wanted to quote unquote slit his wrists, <laughs> then play Bond again. Ha- has he? He's, he's doing the next Scott one, right? He's contractually obligated to, yeah. It hasn't it been a while? Isn't it about uh, yeah, time? Yeah, it's, it's been a while. Yeah. Spectre yeah. was like three. Four 2015, years. yeah. Yeah, shit. It's going to be five years. That's it, a pretty they've long had issues year. making the movie. Well, yeah, probably because nobody wants to do it at this point. They've lost a lot of they've lost a lot of directors and screenwriters. So, what element would you take from Mandy? And put, if I could take, or take any, from these movies and put into Mandy. If I could take an element from these movies, I think it would be having Nicolas Cage have to solve puzzles to get to his next victims. So not like Sean Bean or Ed Harris. No. So more uh, puzzle desks. Ed, more puzzle desks. So it was only like a two-minute scene, but it was the best scene. That was the in best either movie because it just felt like a real movie all of a sudden. I mean, aside yeah. from the terrible sexual position they put, yeah. poor Diane Kruger in crawl around on the floor with me while Nicolas Cage solves this puzzle. Ugh, Let's make it was. Out. It was not. But yeah, give me give me the puzzle desks, and I mean, I'll take Ed Harris uh, as one of the. I'll villains. take him. If you're offering, I'll take him, I guess. I I guess I'll take him, but I like the main villain of Mandy. Uh, Linus Roach. He's a a fucking weirdo, but I really like him. Thomas Wayne in the Nolan Batman films. Oh, okay. So that is the element that you would take from Mandy and put into National Treasure. 
a more like hmm. I would. I, there is many a movie I watch and go, man, it'd be great if Linus Roach were here. Actually, probably would have been quite good in National Treasure. I'd rather have him than uh, Sean Bean in that first movie. You don't like Sean Bean? No, he didn't like his haircut. His hair. His hair. You like Sean Bean, and then you watch National Treasure, and you're yeah. like, oh, maybe no, I don't like I'd, Sean Bean. Yeah, I love Sean Bean most of the time, but it is yeah. not great. He no. looked like he looked like Budget Dolph Lundgren for some reason. I think it's because of his tan. Yeah, the tan and the hair. And maybe even the weird accent. I don't know. I think that's just his I voice. think that's just his speaking I, 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 voice. I think we're pretty sure that's just his regular voice. I prefer him in Lord of the Rings. I prefer most people <laughs> who are in Lord of the Rings in Lord of the Rings. Yeah. There's very few people in Lord of the Rings where I go, you know where you're great in? Something that isn't this. Like, that's not how that works. I'm trying to think of any actor that's in Lord of the Rings where I go, yeah, you've done better movies. Like, I think Viggo Mortensen has given equally good performances, but I wouldn't say he's better in any of them than Lord of the Rings. Like, he's great in History of Violence and Eastern Promises. Yeah, I can't think of anything Elijah Wood is better in. You didn't love him as Kevin in Sin City? I didn't like a lot of things in Sin City, personally. I like it. It's not really a movie. Sin City 2 is not really a movie. Both are not movies. (laughs) Yeah, it's... I finally got around to watching two months ago, and no, bad idea. They're not movies. They're just, like, scenes anthologies they're they're like art installations <laughs> we're like can you believe we recreated this comic book and you're like good job i guess you did it well uh one thing I, one thing i did want to mention about national treasure please if it had a different score it wouldn't change the movie that much it but would cha- i think it would change it, it significantly. oh it would change dramatically well, i think the score is one of the the, the, the weakest part of the film is the score it, no that score was that's, hot trash it's, it's bad and that's one of the things that reminded me of uh, Mission Impossible. And I was saying, I didn't like Fallout. I, l- I loved the soundtrack for Fallout. And it's a really we're good talking score. about 76, yes. right? Okay. Mm-hmm. And if I could have that same. Not Mission Impossible <laughs> Fallout, the critically acclaimed action film from 2018. Yeah. No, Fall- we're talking about Fallout, Fallout 76 because it's Caddy Wampus. And it's been like 20 minutes since the last time we mentioned a video game. Yeah. Ergo, so I had to bring it up again. They, I swear to God, I put one video game hashtag and all of a sudden we get so many more likes. Yeah. It doesn't translate to downloads, but, yeah, but <laughs> you, you get fucking but you likes. Get likes. That's all you need. <laughs> hashtag Skyrim. We'll get Todd Howard to look at it. That's all that matters. <laughs> we won't settle till Hideo Kojima himself is here watching the Silent Hill movie with us. David, is that like my Christmas present? Are you teasing me right I now? I can't promise you anything. <laughs> I, I really I really want that for Christmas. <laughs> uh, really, because my Christmas present would be sitting across the table in that Hideo Kojima picture that he took of Mads Mikkelsen with a cigarette at a sushi bar. And I'm like, never more in my life ever wanted to be somewhere. <laughs> yep. I, I don't be, even have to be at the table. I just want to be in the room. I just, I just, I like I, Kojima, like I want to be in his place. Kojima can go and I'll replace him. And then Mads Mikkelsen can be across from me smoking a cigarette being like, I like sushi and sake. And he'd be like, tell me everything about Hannibal. <laughs> I don't know how many more parts will be to throw it to Mandy. I don't think we should do more than like five. That means there will be more than five. Yeah. yeah. Good thing you're not in control. I'm bro. saying five. I'm saying five because maybe I want less. I'm ready. Yeah, I, oh, I know what you want. I want Mandy. Yeah, you want Mandy. And we're on the road, road to, to Mandy, yeah. right? Get so, ready. So maybe in 2019 we'll watch Mandy. Maybe. Boy. I that sure. is that is really optimistic. Happy Halloween. We're going to watch Mandy. <laughs> Sorry, Brian. We couldn't get Kojima for Christmas. Instead, you're watching Mandy. <laughs> Instead, so, you're watching a Nicolas Cage movie that's so still if, not Mandy. If we end up watching it on Instead, Halloween. Instead, you're watching Wild at Heart. If we end up watching it on Halloween, it will literally be the one-year anniversary of me seeing that movie. I know. <laughs> oh, Sherlock Holmes has figured that out. He's cracked the case, everybody. 
Has Nick Cage ever played Sherlock Holmes? Yeah, in National yeah, Treasure. I was about to say, yeah, no, he, he just No, I did. mean legit. I want Sherlock Holmes. With his inoffensive British accent? Yes! <laughs> Can't be worse than Robert Downey Jr.'s British accent. Can't be worse than Holmes and Watson. I haven't seen it. I won't see it. I've heard nothing but bad things. I, I, I like the rumor that Netflix refused to buy it, which says a lot. Amazon's gonna get it. <laughs> We made Manchester by the Sea. How do we know of Holmes and Watson? <laughs> I'm honestly surprised that movie even got made. Holmes and Watson? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I feel like there's I'm, been enough Sherlock Holmes related It stuff. feels like it should have come out in like 2013. Well, the, that's when the. When did the uh, Robert Downey Jr. movie 2009. Out? Okay. I've never seen them and I. I don't hate them. I think Guy Ritchie uh, makes an entertaining movie. They're not something I would go out of my way to watch. It's, it's just Robert background. Downey Jr. and Jude Law being like shitty towards each other, which is pretty funny. I mean, it's, yeah. it's not it's not unfunny, you know. It just didn't look interesting. It it's just not. Looked, actually, you could, <laughs> it looked like a background movie, like something you might catch at a friend's house on accident. So that that's an episode. Got <laughs> yeah, it. I got it. Got it. So trap you in my house and make you watch Sherlock Holmes. Understood. Done. Such is the podcast. See, the, the deep subtext of the podcast is that Brian uh, thought we were going to watch uh, art, and we've just been trapping him in places and making him watch garbage. I have not enjoyed almost anything we've watched. You didn't enjoy Street Fighter? Uh, you didn't enjoy Super Mario Brothers? No. You didn't enjoy any of the Ninja Turtle films? I enjoyed... That second one, that Michael Bay produced one. Yeah, I enjoyed that. Uh, yeah, there you go. Is that the best movie we've watched? <laughs> National Treasure, in terms of not hating it. Was in terms of thing. not hating it, I didn't. Yeah. Put that on the poster. I didn't want to leave the room. I give it five peaches out of five. I, d I don't think in 20 years people will be like, you remember that National Treasure movie? We should watch it. I don't know. It's 15 years later and we're like, hey, remember that National, National Treasure, Treasure movie? Five. We should watch it for a podcast. Has it been 15 years? Yeah, it came uh, out in 2004, motherfucker. Oh, man. Never mind. 30 years. Aren't your kids just going to walk up to you? Daddy, <laughs> Uncle David told me to ask you about National Treasure. David's been dead for 30 years. <laughs> David died in 2020. Like you kids golf. get out of my office. Daddy's got to play with his puzzle desk. <laughs> Daddy, Daddy. I guess a puzzle desk is kind of cool, but now I'm thinking about it. Like, Could you not just take a crowbar to that one little section? Yep. C could you not just... Oh, that old rickety wood. <laughs> yeah. He's a social network when he, when he slams the door and Army Hammer's like, I just broke your 200-year-old door. <laughs> You you just you don't understand the spirit of history. the puzzle desk. <laughs> I understand uh, history. All right, give me a solid metal puddle, puzzle desk. It's made of wrought iron. <laughs> it's made of iron pen or whatever the fuck that first riddle was. In the first movie? Yeah. With the pipe? No, before that. Iron pen. Oh, the pen, and he cuts himself with the blood. and Iron constitution. Why didn't he have... It was the constitution. Why not the Declaration have, of Independence. Why not have ink? Puzzle why, desk. Why do you have to use blood? Uncle Touchy's puzzle desk. <laughs> I'm going to hide Mandy, and I'm going to do it in a puzzle desk. But director of Mandy Panos Cosmata's father directed Cobra. Perhaps Cobra is the keyword. No, it can't just be Cobra. Cobra starts Sylvester Stallone. Stallone. Alone. A stone alone! Open the puzzle desk! <laughs> so another movie that uh, Jay Bruckheimer produced that Nick Cage headlined, way before National Treasure, we're going to go back to the beginning, is... <laughs> We go back to the beginning. Michael Bay's classic, The Rock, classic from 1996. I realize while watching it, I don't remember a lot about it, which is the case with everything we watch. I'm like, oh, yeah, this yeah. is 
This is not what I remember. But we excavate the past. We're like Indiana Jones, but you know, without any of the uh, gravitas or excitement. Or Nazis. <laughs> Nazis have come up a few times. <laughs> They've come up a few times. Yeah. Sadly, because it's 2019 and we are in America, we definitely have to talk about Nazis. Sadly. Anyway, The Rock. It's pretty good. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Actually, I think it's the most enjoyable Michael Bay film. It's certainly the more competent of most of what he's done. I think it's got I think it's got what most of those movies don't have, which is a, a fairly strong script with clear motive character motivations and clear character arcs. I like, and a well defined villain. I like a lot about it. I like yeah. I like um I, I'm starting to think that maybe I like his movies without the action. Some some of his action is just not fun to watch. No, he's known for his dynamism, but uh, the action is pretty incomprehensible most of the time. He doesn't really have the... Uh... Well, I, I could have sworn that the car chase scene in this movie was known as like a popular car chase scene. What? Uh, Who told I, you that? I thought it was. I read in a car chase weekly. I thought that it yeah, was. Who told you that? Yeah. What, who who sold you that bill of goods? I think it was MichaelBay.com. I think. Cite your sources. But MichaelBay.com is just women uh, washing cars at explosions. I don't know what list I read, but uh, that car chase was awful. That was pr- out of the entire movie. That was the worst part for me. It, well, it's uh, so unnecessary too in the story. It, like, that trolley car was completely necessary. That's true. A trolley, a trolley car explodes, and then water as well gushes up from a pipeline. So fire and water come together like fucking Avatar: The Last Airbender to soar a uh, husk like of a trolley car. Seven. Th- yeah, feet yeah. Into the a air. few stories into the air. I thought it was pretty amazing. I disagree. Sure. Didn't you? Have I fun? liked. I liked Nicolas Cage flying through the air. After which the time? explosion, yeah. Which time? Oh, which time he did it at twice the, at the end. Yeah, I like to. I like to when Tony Todd went flying with a rocket out a window. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> He's the Rocket Man. So, what is the plot of the Rock? A disgruntled Vietnam War vet, disgruntled vet of several yeah, wars. Vietnam, Desert Storm, um, Black Ops missions, Black Ops missions into China. Because yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah, we never yeah, had a yeah, war yeah. with China. <clears throat> I mean, so yeah, Vietnam, China. Basically every American conflict you can imagine and a few yeah. extra ones. And uh, so a guy has lost a lot, mm-hmm. uh, including his wife that we yes. learned at the beginning of the movie. His wife has died and now he's ready to, to enact his plan because he knows he has no. nothing left to lose. Because the implication would be that, hey, when I had a wife, like this was not, I couldn't go, I can't go off and... Cre- me, and my, me and my goons can't go do whatever we want because my wife's here. Now she's dead, so it's time to fuck shit <laughs> now up. it's time to squat up. <laughs> now it's time to squat up, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, sure. I guess if I ever get married and then my wife dies, I'll call you guys and we'll go fuck shit up. Yeah, we'll go full joke. <laughs> yeah, we'll go squat up and launch nerve gas at a major city. That seems like a thing. Well, he was know. never going to launch the nerve gas. Yeah, I think he just um, wanted... Uh, he wanted to spook him. So, no, 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 no. So, he, and, he wanted the families that had lost people to receive compensation for their loss. Yeah, Ed Harris's uh, goal is that all of the men and women who have died on black ops missions for the military are basically disavowed, and therefore no reparations are paid to their family. They don't have proper burials. They basically don't exist. And Ed Harris is basically going to hold San Francisco hostage with nerve gas from Alcatraz to force the government to to take from the slush fund that that the government has illawfully gained from weapons and arms sales to presumably post-Soviet countries to uh, to repay those families. So his goal is fairly noble for Michael Bay. The movie has a surprising amount of nuance, quite a bit of sympathy for Ed Harris and and like David Morse, his second in command. Like it seems mm-hmm. like they are in it for the right reasons. 
where unfortunately they have people they even point out goes i've never worked with you before but i've heard good things those are the people who are like fuck it let's launch the nerve gas so even ed harris isn't ultimately the villain um and uh nicholas cage's chemical expert who can disarm the missiles and mr sean connery is james bond but if we caught him in the 60s and put him in prison forever only person ever to escape from alcatraz this is our ragtag team that has to break in and destroy all the missiles before, uh, or deactivate all the missiles before uh, the deadline. I don't ever in a million years buy Nicolas Cage as a bio. As a scientist. <laughs> He's a rock star scientist. That was Nicolas Cage's fame in the 90s. He was rock star whatever he was. Yep. Face off, rock star terrorist. The Rock, rock star scientist. Leaving Las Vegas, rock star alcoholic. <laughs> Snake eyes, he, he rock can... star corrupt cop. He can basically do whatever he wants. I enjoy watching him do anything, but he is, I definitely, <laughs> like I, I would, like I would enjoy a trained monkey. I definitely don't buy him as a scientist and the, the rules of the, uh, nerve gas don't make sense because there's a lot of jostling and those things yes, should they get, have, they do get severely jostled. Although I would argue back to your point about not buying him as a scientist. I don't know that I've ever bought anyone Michael Bay has ever casted in anything as their I role. also don't know a lot of scientists. Wow. So, I mean, like, how are they? Do you remember the hackers in in, uh, in Transformers? I don't buy them as hackers. But, like, do you know a real scientist? Yes. How does he act? Or she? She. How does she act? Dude, check your privilege. I said both. Reevaluate. Reevaluate your assumed stereotypes. <laughs> uh, she doesn't act like Nicolas Cage. <laughs> So she doesn't hang out naked and play guitar. Not to my knowledge. After, after. That would be awkward, uh, given our familial relation. Yeah. <laughs> if I walked in and she was naked on the couch playing guitar. How I'd was your like, day? I'd be like, Well, I Hi. almost died. <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> she was day drinking naked on a couch with a guitar. It'd be, it'd be disturbing. I almost died. Then I came home early, had a glass of wine, and played some guitar. Yeah, it's an interesting thing, which I assume, I mean, Brian, you can speak to this. You're, you're definitely more musically um, uh, literate than I am. Do you often listen to albums and strum a guitar while you listen to them randomly? Yes. Okay. Actually. Cool. Um, not necessarily at, like he did. You don't sit around naked playing your guitar? I have done that. <laughs> I'm not going to say no. Sorry, anyway, ladies. Sorry, ladies. He's taken. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, like, yeah, if you get home... I've definitely had days, especially with um, when I had a drum set set up in my old house. I definitely had days where I had a Sorry, ladies. He's a drummer. <laughs> I definitely had some times at work where I had a bad day, and I came home, and I would put on music and play along with it on the drums. Or, okay. Cool, cool. Or yeah. on the guitar. So, yes. That tracks. That does happen. So, it's un- so it is authentic. This movie's versimilitude is through the roof. <laughs> well done, Michael Bay. <laughs> yep. I knocked it out of the park. I'm willing to overlook the physics of every explosion in this He film. doesn't so much make films as he does capture life. So, I, I just think it's a weird thing in a Michael Bay movie to ever be like, I didn't really buy this person as a scientist. I don't buy Mark Wahlberg as an inventor. I don't buy Shia LaBeouf as human. And I don't buy Megan Fox as a down-on-her-like high school mechanic. No, she didn't. Yes, she I mean, did. Yes, she did. But, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, she but did. no, she did not. So what wow. other what what Nicolas Cage movies were around around the rock? So this is fresh off, if not his first film after his Oscar win for Leaving Las Vegas. Uh, yeah. yeah, actually, I think it was. So I haven't seen Leaving Las Vegas, but G- good movie that he is great in. 
And he did not win for this one. No, no. I'm sure he was nominated. (laughs) Let's see. He may have won an MTV Movie Award. He might have. Were those around in 96? I don't know. I don't don't have cable. Uh, Ask me 10 years ago. I don't know. I'm under 50, so I don't have cable. (laughs) Sorry. Do the the kids still watch the Total Request Live? I did did watch the Oscars this year. The Kids' Choice Awards. Ah, of course. Those happen today, actually. Why well. do you know that? Because <laughs> I was moving from a news feed. Because David was... has cable and he's lying. While we were no, watching The Rock, he was watching the Kids' Choice Awards. So who won? Was it The Matrix? I don't know. I'm technically not allowed to watch it. It's the same reason I have to tell my neighbors when I move. <laughs> David, I think I need you to leave my house. <laughs> uh, so you, so Nicholas Cage is fresh off his Oscar win. So he's in a bit. He's in the big summer blockbuster of the year, which you know, Rock was a successful movie. This is part of Jerry Bruckheimer's kind of like amazing streak, and this is right after John Simpson died. If you notice, this film was dedicated to Don Simpson, which is Jerry Bruckheimer's producing partner and mentor. And so this team, this is the team that Don Simpson started in in the '80s with hits like Flashdance, Top Gun. Moved into the 90s with what, Days of Thunder, Crimson Tide, Bad Boys, Dangerous Minds, Beverly Hills Cop sequels. But then then he followed up The Rock with Con Air, you know, reteaming with Nicolas Cage. Wait, wait, wait. So the the guy that wrote The Rock. Produced. The guy that produced, okay. Jerry Bruckheimer's a power producer. Jerry Bruckheimer was the Kevin Feige of the 90s. Yep, 1,000%. Like, he had the golden touch. So at this point, I've seen most of his movies from, like, 95 and up. Well, you never saw Top Gun? I think we watched that recently. Not me. That's well, not we. I watched it with somebody recently, and it was very. Uh... You were alone and drunk. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Playing guitar naked during that volleyball scene, yep. you're like, "Oh yeah." <laughs> It's the only appropriate time to be naked. I was just playing Highway to the Danger Zone on repeat. I admire how gay that movie is. <laughs> I really it do. It really is. As a man, as a man who has many tastes, it's very shocking to watch an '80s action movie because there's always an undercurrent of homosexuality in '80s action movies, the machismo. But the fact that they're all just shirtless, glistening with like oil, playing volleyball on the beach for what feels like hours as a song plays and women ogle them and the camera just leers on all these men and i'm like this is surprising that this ended up in a movie in the 80s like that that this guy was a hollywood and tony scott's just like what fine tony scott's i gotta give something for the girls look at him like right the girls yeah (laughs) crimson tide it was famously written by quentin tarantino rewritten he was a he was a script doctor on it what is crimson tide it's a submarine thriller starring gene hackman and denzel washington i feel like there was a lot of not a lot. I feel like there have been a. No, lot you're of right. There were there actually like, were a surprising number of submarine thrillers in the <laughs> yeah. early '90s. Yep. You're yeah. not wrong. I think it started with Red. Dust Boot, which yep. is an excellent movie by Wolfgang Peterson. Hunt for Red October. And then yeah, and Hunt then... for Red October, the Jack, <clears throat> the first Jack Ryan movie, uh, Crimson Tide, K nineteen, The Widowmaker, which is actually directed by Catherine Bigelow. U five seven one. Yeah, it was. For what? 10, 10, 15 years there, there was this weird stretch of the subgenre of submarine thriller. <laughs> the subgenre. Sub, the sub subgenre. When's the last time we got a submarine movie? There's that one with Jude Law. He's looking for treasure. Black treasure? Black sails? Black. Black submarine the movie. Black submarine? Hold on. We all live in a black submarine. <laughs> black and Sea. I was close. Submarine. Yeah, Black Sea is a 2014 submarine disaster thriller. <laughs> yeah. So it's its own genre. <laughs> Submarine. I mean, kind of. I don't really have a lot to say about The Rock. Um, I actually, I think I liked it more than I was expecting to. Yeah. It's kind of good, right? It's, it's, no, it's... I Comparing it to most of Michael Bay's movies, it is... 
I'd uh, say more engaging as far as it's got a, well, if you're a, a better you're, story. If you're grading on a Michael Bay curve, it's an A+. Oh, yeah. It's literally his best movie by like leaps and bounds. It's like a real movie. Yeah, by a wide fucking margin. Yeah. It's his best film. And, uh, my, Other my, people will tell you Pain and Gain is good. Don't listen to them. Oh, God. I remember that. That <laughs> was awful. My only real complaint was the, the score, and I know it was Hans Zimmer, and he said it was one of his... Or uh, one of his first big hit scores. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it just didn't do it for me. It was, it was Synth- Synthesizers don't age well, man. Yeah. Nope. Well, I mean, I'm sure back then it was fine, but yes, it was. now, God, it's so... To me, it made the movie very cheesy, where if you replaced that score with something... Like if Hans Zimmer did it today. Yeah, if, yeah. if Hans Zimmer rescored that movie today mm-hmm. and a few scenes were cut, that would be a very serious, very interesting movie. It would have more of a just immediacy to it and a live Instead feeling. Of Hans Zimmer in the back of a Honda Pilot um, bum, 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 That and the, the car chase scene and a lot of the action shots the the camera was just it gave me a headache like just cut 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 well, cut. that's that's his style and just though zoom in zoom out zoom in zoom out and i'm like what are you I mean, doing you not, watched a michael did you not, yeah. do you have you not have you not seen any of his other movies maybe it's that he has more slow motion than his newer ones i think maybe it just stood out more to me in this one for whatever reason it just Honestly, I think it's because it feels like more like a real movie all the rest of the time. And then all of a sudden it cuts in and you're like, what the fuck? Like, like the scene where Nicolas Cage and Sean Connery first meet is a well-made mm-hmm. scene with good acting and good direction, good dialogue. Like, it's like a real movie. And then you cut to that car chase and you're like, what the fuck yeah. is happening? I like I like when Nicolas Cage walks into the room the first time he meets him. And then he like awkwardly picks up the chair. And knocks it on the table. Knocks it on the table and kind of... Sits a little distant from him, and he's just like trying to bullshit, but he's very bad at it. Obviously, mm-hmm. I like when he slides back, goes slides back to get his di- more distance. Goes, can you get the handcuffs off? Yeah, yeah. Their chemistry was actually yeah pretty respectable in that film, which is surprising. Well, I think this movie does have that advantage, which is it has a stellar cast with a lot of character actors filling out your smaller roles. You know, mm-hmm. seeing the guy from Scrubs was kind of weird for me. McGinley, McGinley. <clears throat> yeah, those were his roles in the nineties. He's he plays basically the same character in Seven. He's the he's the hot headed SWAT team leader who literally pushes Brad Pitt aside and goes SWAT goes before dicks and <laughs> knocks in a door like that. That just, was his role in before Scrubs. I don't remember that. Like I, I'm sure well, you remember, I, it, but you just don't remember that it's John C. McGinley. Yeah, yeah. You know who it was? Because yeah. now now I know him from Scrubs for yeah, sure. Yeah. And like going back and seeing this, I'm like, whoa, that's that's weird. Like he's totally different. I mean, he's still pretty abrasive in this. <laughs> I haven't watched Scrubs in a long time. I I don't like it that much. Why did you watch it? I don't know. It's just it just comes on sometimes in places. <laughs> what? Sometimes I'm just it sounds like you're having, It sounds like you have visions. Like what? What does that mean? <laughs> sometimes it's just there. Sometimes I close my eyes and just an episode <laughs> plays. First of all, best John C. McGinley role. Fucking Point Break. That was good. Point Break is a movie where you watch it in retrospect. You're like, Catherine Bigelow knows exactly what she's doing. <laughs> like you don't accidentally make that movie. <laughs> so I I was. Out looking at uh, 4K movies. Please like, don't tell me you thought about buying ago. the remake of Point Break. Well, so I forgot. Uh, you, they... see, you started the sentence with well and not no. <laughs> no, no, no. So I had forgotten that they remade it. With and Gerald I, Butler. And right? I, I saw Point Break and I was like, ooh. And I picked it yeah. up and I looked at it and I was like, this doesn't look like Point Break. What is this? I was like, is it, is it this HD that they just look different? 
And then you, think, like, wait, you think in no. 4K resolution, no. the Keanu Reeves looks like Jared Butler? Yeah. No. That's how that works, But right? But, like, I'm, like, looking at this case, and I'm, like, this is not the movie I remember. What the fuck? And then I, I'm, like, looking, and I was, like, oh, they, oh, yeah, they remade this movie. Yeah. I was, I was so confused. I was, like, am I misremembering this they, entire movie? They remade movie? a movie that only works because of the director and the two leads. And, you know, they remade the movie without that director or the Did two leads. Did that do anything? Did it like the remake? Yeah, no, did, it tanked. Did it hit theaters like for one day and then they were like, what? "Yeah, it was like a late August release." Get out of here! I don't here. think anybody ever did it. I forgot it even existed. That's what I'm saying. Like I, same with um, like Red Dawn. If you told me Red Dawn was remade, well, that movie sat on a shelf for years and only got released because Chris yeah. Hemsworth became a star. But if I was at the store looking at movies yeah. and I saw Red Dawn, I would be like, "Ooh," and I would grab Which it. Red and Dawn's be like, not what that great fuck? either. <clears throat> also, doesn't the remake have Kyle Chandler as the dad? Don't. Seems like a waste of Kyle Chandler. A a roommate at some point was watching it, and I saw bits, and I was like, "This is awful." Kyle I'm... Chandler's bits. <laughs> no. I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> he's he's so sexy, but he's kind of like everybody's dad, so it's it's tricky territory. <laughs> so you just want to see dad dick? So something okay. special about dad? Dick. I have never met a woman who is not attracted to Kyle Chandler. If they know who he is, they want to fuck Kyle Chandler. I can't even think of who you're talking about. Fucking Friday Night the show, Friday Night Lights. Never watched it. It's an excellent show. I know. I'm not an excellent excellent person. <laughs> <laughs> not excellent. I don't deserve to watch Friday Night Lights. I watch garbage like everything we talk about. I kind of I'm I really want you to see this episode of The Walking Dead. Oh, Jesus Christ, Brian. I want to just do it. It has all of the best characters in it currently, and it has Jeffrey best Dean. By what meter? It has Jeffrey what, like, Dean. What, what, what metric? Is it, it, has, it has Jeffrey Dean Morgan in it, and he's not being ridiculous anymore. He is being the. That's cool because they cast him in Tekken. Yeah. Wait, what? Yeah, Negan. Negan is in Tekken. Yeah, he's in Tekken Seven. Why? Because Tekken is not a good franchise. Yes, it is. Wait, why? <laughs> why? Why? He's That's... just a character. It was a real weird trailer. That's like two steps from casting like Omar from The Wire in a video game. Yeah, it really is. It, it <laughs> like was a, that's not that far. It was a it was a very. Strange... Would you like to fight as Steve Buscemi from Boardwalk Empire? <laughs> yes, <Yeah>. actually. <laughs> but it was a very. Weird... I would totally play a Boardwalk Empire fighting game. <laughs> it was a very weird introduction. I they all like... they're all they're all they've all got that classic boxing stance, and they're like Queensberry rules. <laughs> Can I get Al Swearingen from Deadwood in my Mortal Kombat 12? Mortal Kombat 10 had Alien, had Jason, had um, Yeah, again, Freddy. those th- that I kind of get. That I buy. That that's it's just like Walking Dead is ostensibly a prestige cable drama. So it's like what other prestige cable drama characters end up in fighting games like like Jesse from Breaking Bad and what Don Draper from Mad yeah, Men. Yeah, I was going to say, Don Draper from Mad Men is going to show up in Soul Calibur. He cries. <laughs> he cries and then the enemy cries with him. He cries and then it's, he drinks. It's a, it's a fatality where he starts crying and then the person the, the person who's fighting has no choice but to start crying too. While he's crying, and they fall he, asleep on he opposing couches. He hits them with a whiskey tumbler and then say, puts a does lucky he, Does he offer them a drink? <laughs> well, he tells, them, he, he tells them dark biting truths about their psyche which really hurt them. So he'll, so you'll like punch kick you know like combo and then Draper will be like I don't think about you at all and then your health meter drops <laughs> that's what the money's for you know and then your health meter drops <laughs> that's awful. the equivalent of putting the soldiers from Band of Brothers in Call of Duty that would sell exceedingly well unfortunately or a Band of Brothers video game those that were would... real people yeah yeah <laughs>
Their sacrifice was one of honor. <laughs> so Medal of Honor, not Call of Duty. Oh. Ugh, go away. <laughs> so anyway, that was The Rock. <laughs> yeah. Would you say that The Rock rocked? You're fired. Ugh. Ugh. One day we'll watch Mandy. You've been listening to Caddy Wampus. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Tumblr at Caddy Wampus Pod. Email us at caddywampuspodcast at gmail.com. Music by Tilly.